Welcome to this episode of the Black Empower podcast. I'm Coco Brown and today I'm going to be chatting with Stella Canu. Stella is the Executive Director of Lyft, London International Festival Theatre, and Chair at Eclipse Theatre, as well as a writer, musician and maker. Previously, she's worked with Clean Break Theatre, Harlem Stage, Theatre Royal Margate, and was the Executive Producer at Oval House, now Brixton House. Stella is the co-creator of Black Women in Theatre and the We Are Visible movement. If you want to hear more from Stella, then you can find her at Stella Canu Words on Twitter. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, Stella. Hi, Coco. How are you feeling today? Yeah, good, good. Like, today's my last work day, so I'm excited about the next few days. Amazing. Um, I'm just going to jump right in and ask you if you can tell me what you do and why you do it. So what I do is I champion black creativity. That's what I do. Mm. And I find all these different ways to kind of achieve that. And so I have a day job, which is working at London International Festival of Theatre. And in that role, I'm kind of really focused on two things, really. I guess international artists from the global south and how to bring that into the work of Lyft, which is part of their plan anyway. And then we also do a lot of kind of community engagement. And I started in my life doing work around participation. Mm -hmm. And so I have a real kind of um, political sense around participation and community engagement. And so Lyft has a, a community engagement project and I'm really interested in inserting into that some disruption Um, And also some grassroots ways of doing things. Um, And so that's kind of day job. And then I kind of like to do quite a lot of my own projects that I start. You know, I'm somebody that spent most of my working life volunteering. I used to volunteer HIV and AIDS. I used to volunteer youth work, even though I also worked in youth work. And so I've always been somebody that has done and juggled quite a lot of things. And for me, what I find often is that in the work that I do, kind of my day jobs, they often don't give me the autonomy that Mm -hmm. I need as a human being, um, striving to champion, celebrate um, the positivity and the possibilities of black creatives and black creativity so I do a lot of stuff in my own space that is just initiated by me often they're kind of um, what I call creative rapid response units so Mm. there'll be things that's happening that I'll put my finger on the pulse and try and deliver something that's really short um, and pull a team of people together a collective of people together and then I also do a lot of kind of strategic work and that kind of divided into two different areas so I kind of do a little bit of coaching so really kind of coaching and mentoring um I don't know I I would I just like to say people who want to either love what they do or want to get onto their next their next phase of their evolution Mm -hmm. Um, I do a lot of that and then I do some strategic work which means in the sector so in the creative and cultural sector so I work um as uh, a member of the London Area Council 
um, as one of the regional members for London, and I also co-chair the Race Advisory Group, which is really essentially about um, how do we in this year, how do we insert mm -hmm. um, the concept, the demands, the needs of race um, into the work that Arts Council does and the work that Arts Council demands of its MPOs and all the people that it funds. And so then why do you do all of that stuff? I think like there's there's like a long answer and a short answer. The, the, the kind of middle answer is I've always been somebody that really understands the value of culture, not the commodification of culture, but its value. Because like many of us who have grown up in non-Western households, Culture is at the heart of a lot of things. Um, it is how we celebrate, it's how we have so many rituals around it. We um, pass those things on, we use them in familial and in our, some, sometimes in our decision-making. You know, for me, I grew up with um, a mum who loved to dance, a dad who was obsessed with music, but you know, they both wore uniforms. My mum was a nurse and my dad was sometimes an engineer, sometimes a bus driver, sometimes a tube driver. So in their outward appearance, they represented this new, this new, the immigrant life, mm. but actually home and what they passed on was this real value around culture. It wasn't just incidental. And so, and I also grew up around a lot of people like that. When I got involved in youth work, I was surrounded by a lot of Rastafarians who were involved in probation work and youth mm. work. And they excluded, they, 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 they kind of, it came out of their pores. And so for me, the reason why I do it, do what I do is because I believe inherently in our need for creativity and culture mm -hmm. and the need, particularly for um, ethnically diverse people, for our cultures to be valued and to have visibility. And so for me, you know, that spread of work is about my capacity for one. And also, you know, I'm about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's so clear in all of the work that you do and and also the way that, you know, you, I guess, present yourself within the arts. Like, it is clear that you're about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you were here for it. I'm not messing about. Not at all. Um, so thinking back then, when you first got into theatre, what was your first job in theatre or in the arts in general? Interesting one, because I'm always somebody that's had, like, several jobs. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, my first foray into what we call theatre actually was more drama and youth work. So I, in my teens and before I went to university, I did quite a lot of youth work. And, and you know, we're talking about the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, when youth work was still something really, really solid in, in terms of the lives of young people. Mm -hmm. We started. We had started to see the erosion of that. So for me, I started off working with drama, essentially, and using drama as a tool to kind of engage within a youth work setting. Um, and I worked with young women's groups. At the time, there were this spate of young women's groups. I also um, I did some volunteering at what was then called the Albany Empire, which is now the Albany that we all know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, an organisation called Second Wave, where I volunteered on some of their summer schools, um, which was all about bringing you know girls like me people like me boys and girls like me who had grown up in you know housing estates and who had bags of talent 
bags and bags of talent. So that's kind of how I first got into drama and this idea that there could be this interchange. I think my my real kind of professional kind of into that space Mm -hmm. I'd done a few things from there kind of moved into um, working with loads of different groups I ran an organization called Waterloo Breakaway which um, at the time just before the IMAX in Waterloo was um, developed Mm -hmm. I don't know loads of people don't know this now but that used to underneath the arches and underneath the tunnels at night used to be what was called uh hmm uh Tent city, something city, can't remember. It was like a homeless city. So at night, under the arches where the IMAX now is, used to be a homeless um, environment. So all of the rough sleepers would bed down in that space. Mm -hmm. And I ran this project, Waterloo Breakaway, that was about engaging those homeless, those rough sleepers. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I worked at St. John's, which was the church that was opposite. And we ran project out of that and through that I got in touch with Cardboard Citizens um, and Cardboard Citizens were one of the organisations that we brought in who came with this really beautiful political forum theatre and introduced me to legislative, legislative theatre, the whole work of Augusta Boal and of course Adrian Jackson was a really dynamic and um, forthright um, artistic director and and that kind of led me into this more professionalized space around theater although it was at the time it was the UK's only homeless theater company that used um, homeless people as company members and then I started working for them full-time um, in the year 2000 with a millennial project with this idea to engage 2000 um low engaged people who were either homeless, refugees, because at that time, again, Mm -hmm. we were mid to the end of the 90s. And there were lots of um, immigrants from the Eastern Bloc countries who were coming into the UK and that were in hostels. So so that's kind of how I got involved in theatre as we know it. And so then thinking a little bit um, closer to where you are now, or, you know, not so far back, should I say, um, are there any experiences that you feel have directly led you to where you are today all of it all of it absolutely um it would be hard to pinpoint one thing because you know it's a mixture of um you know experiences both good and bad it's a Mm -hmm. mixture of you know mistakes it's a mixture of fine-tuning what it is I'm trying to achieve it's about um you know and I don't see it as an arrival you know my concern with my life is about my evolution as a human being. Always has been, always will be. Mm-hmm. So work is just a part of that, you know. And, and, and so the journey for me isn't about this career ladder and getting to a particular point. It's about the evolution of me, what mm-hmm. I'm trying to do here and who I'm trying to do that with and why. Mm, that's lovely. That is lovely. Um, okay, then. So thinking about that and your, your evolution to, to being here and also continuing to evolve, I guess. Um, is there anything that you really wish you had known before you got into this point in your career? Um, again, loads, I think. I think... Um, there is a huge amount of responsibility that comes with like really big leadership positions. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, 
I think for me, it's really acutely tied into the history of black creativity. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to carry quite a lot of that with me. Um, but I wish I'd known more earlier. Um, yeah. Partly because I think that would have boosted my confidence, particularly in those moments where there are just huge setbacks. And, you know, we have a sector that is full of the most amazing people, stunning artists, really great work, mm-hmm. but also full of fuckeries. <laughs> And, <laughs> you know, that stuff is the stuff that knocks you out. Yeah. And, that, and you know, that, that isn't just, that's not race dependent. You know, that is about, you know, sometimes the type of people we attract, the way that power moves in our sector, mm. um, the way that, um, you know, unless you're validated by a particular thing, you're kind of left on the sidelines. And there's somebody mm-hmm. who identifies as, and always has to identified as an outsider. You know, there is a kind of outsider's outsider outside that you can experience <laughs> in this sector. And that is just, that's, that's just a mindfuck. Mm-hmm. And that can play with you. And I think had I carried more with me that what I do now, which is to really talk about our 60, 70 year contribution, particularly as black creatives to the Mm -hmm. sector, had I carried more of that with me, had I known more about that, had I understood not just the celebratory nature of that, but the pitfalls, because that's what I'm looking at now. Mm. You know, life is circular and there are things that kind of just go around in circles. And I wish I had known that really early on because I allowed a lot of people to take me out. I allowed a lot of people to um to oh I allowed myself to be bothered by um feelings of rejection feelings of mm-hmm. um invisibility and feelings of and, and, not, and not just invisibility of not being in places but actually being in spaces and not being heard not being listened to um or being listened to in the way that you know um is quite common with a lot of us you know oh they heard me all right and mm-hmm. then they and then they dress the goods somewhere else and you're like wait 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 is that not oh okay I thought I said that I thought I did yep. that okay so you know there, there's something about the kind of the the, the theffery of ideas and, mm-hmm. and my intellectual capacity is quite huge and I often gave it away and I wish I'd known not to do that and I wish that I had really embraced and understood everything that I already knew you know I I put a lot of things down um so just jumping on you saying there's there's a lot that you wish you hadn't given away I would love to ask you um I would love to ask you about how you've protected yourself in your career throughout your career um or or mechanisms or techniques that you have found that that have kept you actually yeah quite a few and I think and they've been built up over time and I, mm-hmm. I do remember there was a there was a moment where I recognized um and this is before we talked about mentors you know I knew I needed to be in a space where somebody would show me and sh- somebody would take the time to invest in me and I, that doesn't mean I didn't have investment along the way mm-hmm. I definitely did you know definitely um, Adrian Jackson and um, uh, Katrina at um, Cardboard Citizens, they completely invested. What I needed, though, was 
to get under the bonnet of what it was that we were doing. And so that, there was a moment where I recognized that that wouldn't happen for me. And I recognized also that what I really wanted to, to, to know was how to make something sustainable not just an event or an idea or creativity, but the nuts and bolts around it. So I made the decision to not find work in London. I made the decision to go outside London. And I probably had about 10 years where I was kind of in Margate. I went to New York. I went to I went to loads of different, different places to try and, you know, get under the bonnet and be able to lead um, and be able to really understand what it takes to... to you know, what are the pillars of an organisation? What motivates people? How do you really get under the bonnet of a community? And mm. I had done some work um, um, on Ellsbury New Deal for communities back in 2002, where I, I also stepped aside from the sector and I moved into, um, at that point we were calling it um, regeneration, you know, the modernisation agenda that the Tony Blair government came in with. Mm -hmm. And I... So I moved out of sectors. I also did some work in community developments. I worked in, I worked for a housing association called Poplar Housing. Um, I worked in Barking and Dagenham, really around community work. Mm -hmm. um, and so I took some side steps in order to protect myself, in order to still give myself the motivation I needed, the engine I needed, you know, mm -hmm. I needed to power through. So I took a side step and then I also stepped out of London out of that kind of space where, and this is after, you know, probably having applied for like 300 jobs and always getting down to the last two. And it's like, oh, so no one is ever gonna think I'm a safe pair of hands. Okay. So I ended up going out of London mm -hmm. and that had its own issues as well, because I didn't protect myself in a particular way. I protected myself in terms of the sector and what I was looking at, mm -hmm. but I actually left myself open for some really bad treatment because I was isolated. Yeah. Um, and, and so it swings around about in a way. And, but but deliberately moving out of London and get trying to get those opportunities. You know, I was away from the big named organisations, but I was getting the experience that I needed. I was getting under the bonnet of what motivates a team, what motivates um, people, how do you build financial sustainability? All of mm -hmm. those things that I had seen in the 80s um, allow so much black creativity to disappear because we were just told to make work and we made work we made work that still today people don't even realize how much creativity was going on mm. in those times. but none of it was sustainable yeah. because no one was learning the administration and so as well as me being a creative person that was the moment where I also let go of my own creativity you know I'd come through as a singer I'd come through as a writer I'd come through as a poet I'd done all mm. of these creative things and I made a decision so there's four things there I made a decision to focus on the non-creative moved out of London I also kind of moved and stepped away from the sector or at least combined that sector with other particular areas mm -hmm. and I gave myself the breathing space to learn. <sighs> yeah. But, you know, all of that is like 10, 13 years. <laughs> Just said it. <laughs> but also, yes, that is, you know, all of that spans 10, 13 years of your life. But actually, each thing or, you know, like everything you just said is also doable daily. 
absolutely or you know weekly monthly or whatever yeah. in on a such a, on a smaller scale it's so and and thinking about sustainability is is um that's actually something that's been in my mind a lot is you know it's all well and good me being able to make work now and me being able to support um other artists to make work now but it's not just about now how do we continue how do we create legacy how do we archive you know how do we become sustainable in the way we make work so so yeah that's also been something that's been in my head um about yeah about our community and about the arts in general is like how do we stay sustainable um and I don't know I don't have an answer to that and I don't know if you have an answer to that or a thought what what is what is sustainability you know and I think I made it a study of mine I studied it Mm. I I worked it I studied it from the financial point of view I studied Mm -hmm. it from the organizational point of view I studied it even from creativity point of view you know what I what I understood about you know for example black black dance development trust you know in the 80s what a lot of people don't know is that um black dance was huge and it was also supported by you know, manpower services, all of these government and non-artsy organisations were supporting Mm. with finances, investment, and were supporting black dance. And what happened in that space was, again, a real focus on creativity, but also, you know, those dancers back in those days, they were absolutely hard trained. You know, you had, if you talk about someone like um, Namron or Jackie Guy, you know, they understood um, their their cultural dances. They also moved into contemporary dance and learnt. And so there's something also about you know the creativity itself because just the making of work in its on its own is not enough. Mm-hmm. It has to be fucking good. It has to be clear. You know, we mm-hmm. come from a legacy of you know. Um, uh, uh, you know, black dance that has an American legacy, but don't, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about Dorothy and all of those people who were absolutely understood their craft. They had a method, you know, mm-hmm. what are our methods and what are our methods both past, but what are they now and how do mm-hmm. we pass on and how are they, you know, it's about the craft. You yeah. know, when I know, I was in the poetry scene, what you could see, you know, some of those people who, you know, are big superstars now, like your Bernadines, your Roger Robinsons, man, then people know them craft. Yeah, and I doubt you can't mess with the work. Mm-hmm. You can't, and so for me, it's as much about that as it is about the nuts and bolts around it. We must study it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree, and I actually look forward to studying it. You know, studying all of it, studying sustainability, studying my craft, studying power. You know what? What the main the mainstream has is an understanding of the fullness of it all. And what we get as outsiders, whether that's working class, whether that's LGBTQI, whether that's whatever the outsiderness is, mm-hmm. you're outside of something. What are you yeah, outside right? of? And then when you think, oh, they gave you these 10 things. Yeah, but they got a thousand in their pocket. You know, what, mm-hmm. what does it really mean? And what does it mean to be outside of that system? And the only way you can enjoy, the only way that we can steal back power is, that's how you burn power, is that you take it. You just take it back. You just take it. Mm-hmm. You take it and then you use it. 
And that's what, for me, the kind of the liberty and the freedom that culture is supposed to give us. That's what we're missing. We're missing the understanding of that. So, you know, it can now be all about getting the next big job. What big job? What big job? What big job? Is your washing up done? What about your clothes? Who are you as a human being? How nice are you? How, when are you putting your boundaries in place? These things are the important things. There's no big job. There's no big job, <laughs> trust me. No big job. Same old bullshit, same old rubbish. You still go uh-huh. home and go, oh, didn't kill nobody today. And you still feel like you did 10 years ago, glad that you're not in prison and somebody's coming to bail you out. Absolutely. It's the same old shit. You get <laughs> money sometimes, more responsibility, more people hate you. Oh, and what? What's new? Same shit, different day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or same course, shit, different job title. Yeah, and there's some beauty in that and there are benefits and privileges. I understand all of that. It doesn't make me the human being I am, my job. It does not. Can never. Mm. And never. Pays my rent. Hmm. And gets me some massage when things get too tough. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And all of that stuff is super important. Like, I make money so that I can buy my mum a house and so that I can pay my bills, but also so that I can get my little massage every kind of six weeks or whenever, you know? You don't know get my people. nails done. It's so I can get my nails done, you know? That's what it You can come with the bail money that you might need. You don't know enough, so you have to, you have to calm that shit somehow. <laughs> you have to calm down in some areas because, now nah, I don't know enough people who can really come with £130,000. For the murder that I committed in my heart. (laughs) Um, So thinking outside of your potential life as a mass murderer. um, Pray for me. And and thinking about your role in the industry. um, I'd love to know if if there's a time where you first felt like a leader. And and, and whatever that, that, like, that, um, whatever that word means to you. Mm. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Because, and it, it's a conflicting word for a lot of people. And uh-huh. I both embrace it and reject it. And mm. I reject it because, I mean, what's a leader? But I embrace it because I remember being maybe seven, eight, nine years old and gathering my family around and I'd have done this dance routine and I will make everyone sit in a particular space and I would deliver this stuff. I would work with my sister and we we had this game that we would play and we would show everyone. But in that, I was leading. I was leading with myself. And for me, leadership is about self-leading. It's about self-management. And it always has, it always has been. That's why you can get shit leaders. That's where you can get people who think they're a leader because they've got a job title, but actually Uh they have no sense of group dynamic. They have no sense of their own emotional intelligence to understand what changes take place when you're in the space. They have no understanding about the balance of power and how to really work with it. Um, And all of those things are really important when you talk about leadership and leading people towards a vision and away from something, towards something. Mm -hmm. So for me, my leadership has always been there because I've always driven myself and been motivated to make change. Um, And that's what I see my leadership as being about. And I had that since I was a child. I mean, I can see it more clearly um, as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's just I've always been the same person. 
Um, and so, yeah, I can I can buy the words, but at the same time, I, I wish we would do away with it because there are many people who are calling them themselves leaders who are not worthy. Yeah, I agree. Um, so then, is there anything in your career that has surprised you that you didn't expect? What do you mean? Something in my career, what do you mean? Um, I think... Uh, anyone who's lived a life will have a bunch of surprises. So I think I'm asking more about related to you and your work, the work that you do, the work that you make, the work that you facilitate and produce and create and curate. Um, or even even more about the roles that you are in now, currently. Is there anything that you didn't expect before getting these roles? Um... Hmm, that's a hard one to answer because surprise is often part of it you know sometimes you're surprised by the tiniest thing the mm. people in influence the people who will say you know there's sometimes people come up to me and they say oh god a few years ago you told me this thing and I'm like what did I say I don't know what did I say I said that did I and and, and that impact that it can have on people um and, and it's the same for me you know there are little nuggets that you know I might have heard 10 years ago but I've carried with me mm-hmm. and I love that about the human interaction that's at the heart of the work that we do because it isn't you know we're not doctors that are dealing with blood and muscles and sinew we are dealing with the imagination and ideas a lot of the time mm-hmm. and that is a magical space so that surprises me a lot the exchange that takes place and 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 how you know the space time continuum in that space can mm-hmm. be a little bit like off key and can come back and can come back round and i love that and those are the surprises that i love the most um because they're at the heart of human connection which I guess is at the heart of yeah of everything that you do Mm. to me that's what from listening to you for this little amount of time and also I guess from knowing you as well being lucky enough (laughs) to know you in real life um, (laughs) yeah that's all all of that is is at the the center of what you do um and so I guess yeah that let me be a bit clear about that though. I'm only I'm only about the human connection. Number one is I'm connected with myself. I can't connect with people. If I didn't, if I wasn't connected to myself, I wouldn't connect mm-hmm. with others as well. Mm-hmm. So there, there's almost a flow to it. There's a circle to it. You know, I connect to myself. I'm generous to myself. I'm focused on myself. I am learning I'm self-directed and all of that when it is overflowing then passes over and that's really important because and particularly if you're uh if you have a a a gender identity that is female facing or female identifying Mm -hmm. you know socialization just teaches us the opposite of that teaches us part two first So, you know, you become outwardly focused, you become outwardly driven. And I know that a lot of people who do know me, even people who think they're really close to me, think that, oh, I'm that person. But no, I do me first. And then it kind of, because I have to undo the socialization that that encourages me to put my needs second. And so that does, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Um, So then in your work, I 
okay, so I find it very difficult to separate myself from my work, whether that's as an artist, whether that's as a producer or anything in the in-between. Um, it's something that I'm trying to get better at, but I have a lot of difficulty separating myself from the work. Um, but it seems that you have a really clear separation, but not um, divide, you know? Like, it's clear that you have a very a good understanding of, well, to me, it feels clear, you have a good understanding of who you are as a mm. person and also who you are as an artist, as a producer, as a facilitator. Um, they do merge. They do merge at times and they do yeah. fuse together because for me, it's about the human endeavour. Mm. And, and so I, I'm looking at myself as a human who's doing something. And so I do, I'm, I am quite compartmentalise so I do have these yep. spaces. Yeah. But they, they do meld together you know there's a raspberry ripple to it all um in some in some places and I think that's natural and normal mm. the difficulty comes when you cannot make the separation then there's a problem um I think there are moments where it melds for me and it fuses you know I can't separate um my desire to um, to champion people that I really like and people that I think are really important um, and bring them into my workspace and bring them into the things that I'm doing or planning. Mm -hmm. That's just, it's hard to separate that. Mm -hmm. um, but there are moments where I can absolutely do that. Um, it's, if, it's when I can't do that, that that's a problem. And then it's like, okay, so what lesson am I, do I need to learn here? What's, what's going on here? Am I being triggered? Am I, is there something else going on in a psychodynamic way? Mm -hmm. Or... Um, is there something else that that person is bringing to the table that I'm a bit blindsided by? Um, are there any moments that you can identify where you have found it hard to separate those two? Yeah, parts? yeah, and I think, and it's really interesting because this is, it is quite clear for me and it's those moments where there are at least three occasions where when I was at the Aylesbury New Deal for Community for me that was a really really important space and partly because I had um it was the first place where I worked on housing estate with people who I just knew that place was just full of 10,000 residents. If there were not 8,000 people there with talent of every age of persuasion, mm -hmm. I would challenge you to a jewel. Do you know what I mean? It was <laughs> full of talent. It was just so full, full, full. But also yeah. it was, it was people I'd gone close to. And I, but it also became a place that I needed to leave and I couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's happened to me on a few occasions when I was working in Cumbria, rural environment, you know, not a black person in sight mostly, um, mm -hmm. but these young people who for them music was their life. And I was running this music charity um, and I knew really I needed to step away. So for me, there have been moments where it's been difficult to that fuse point has been difficult when I know I need to leave and I mm. can't leave. And, and for me, um, my partner at the time, had said to me, oh, I know what the problem is. Uh, you need to take your heart out of this thing. And I'd be like, what? I got my heart in it. What do you mean? <laughs> and he was right. He was absolutely right. Because I was leading with my heart. Yeah. And now yeah. I know that I do that. Whereas at the time I didn't know. And so everything else left my mind, my habits, my day to day, but mm -hmm. my heart was there. 
So I needed to move my heart out. And that, that happens to me often. And now I start there and I go, okay, I, I want to leave. Oh, where's my heart? What am I doing? What do I need to do? What do I need to snip away at? Mm. Um, so that's been a moment where it's been really difficult when I've, because I put everything into what I do and I care about people. I care. If I see somebody can do something, need something that I think, oh, this person can help them or they need to do that, I'm going to be there and I'm going to do that. Not in every incident, instance, because as I say, some people are not worthy. Um, <laughs> that's... <laughs> I tell the truth. Yeah, I didn't know Absolutely. that before. I didn't know that before. I thought everybody, everybody yeah. you asked should have. But now I'm like, mm, mm. where's the chipbook? Let me see. What have you done? Where are you? Who are you? What are you? Um, so for me, it's been those moments. And I think that that might always still be with me, where I have to really challenge myself and I have to sometimes prize myself mm-hmm. away from people and things and projects when it no longer serves me. Um, I have a bit of a different question for you. Um, I smile at this question all the time because, you know, it always gets a bit of a reaction. Um, So this question is, do you feel like you have quote unquote made it? There's so much that I want to do. You know, this, this life that I have is not the life I planned. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, no, and for me, again, because I'm about the evolution of Stella, um, when is that, when is that going to be complete? Well, next lifetime, maybe, mm. or the lifetime after that, or the lifetime after that. Um, so th- I, I think the short answer is no, because of those two reasons. Um, the evolution never stops. I hope I, I continue to learn. You know, one of the great quotes from Maya Angelou was like, Oh no no no! I'm if it, the day you think that you've arrived, oh no no! I'm 96 now. I don't even think that I've arrived, you know. And there, and and for me, that's kind of what I follow. Um, I think there are people that think I've arrived at something. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I say, you know, I think I've I've highlighted that it's the same old it's the same old stuff. Um, and and I think for me, it is definitely about the evolution of self. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got so much things that I want to do. You know, there are not many people that know that I'm creative. Not many people that know. There are some people out there who only know me as a poet. There are some people out there who have only ever been on stage with me and seen me as a live performer. Oh there are gosh. only people out there who know that I write. And there are, but actually, my persona professionally is as this kind of administrator. Um, and there are some people who they would laugh at that. They would laugh at it. Um, so, you know, there are so, there's so much more that I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that as I enter my 50th year, um, I am going to be mm-hmm. in that space where I'm doing more creative stuff, you know? Amazing. I can't wait to see that, to experience it. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. Oh, Stella. Oh, Stella. <laughs> I just, yeah, I could, I mean, I could gush over you. I, I also just... Because I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people who've who's only known you as a producer, administrator, yeah. facilitator. Yeah. Um, and so to be able to find out that, you know, there is, even though I always knew this, but yeah. to to get a first-hand knowledge that there is so much more that I can discover about you. That's about why what- I loved your work. Because you combine together, you know, for me, it was the singing and it was like, oh, this person is doing something really amazing with sound. 
And that was why I loved your work. And that was why I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm there. What does she need? Because, you know, you and um, Floetic Lara, to me, are who I would be now if I was your age. You know, I would be doing all of that producing, but I would still stick with the work. And you're bringing to the fore everything that you know about humans and human connection, the political issues with sound and with theatre. Um, and to me, that's the, that's that's the, that's one of the best places to be. Thank you. It's where I would be if I was starting out now. Well, then I can't wait to see you um, segue into that in your next years and the next years of you making work and and being in the industry um you know for a fact Stella that whenever you say nice things about me it just I just shut down I don't know what to do I completely forgot where I was I was like okay cool I'm just gonna leave now it's like I cannot leave I must I must finish and so luckily for me it's important it's important you know because yeah. you know and that's why I think this kind of glorification of people in big jobs is a nonsense because it is one big circle and every individual that is strong that is out there doing what they're doing can only help the collective and the collective is all about every individual being strong and so mm -hmm. for me I have to tell you that because it's true I have to tell you that because that becomes my motivation that becomes the thing that that's how I connected with you and you should know that and you, you know that's why I don't I don't hold back on what I say to people but it can sometimes be misread you know because if you're a big person who's saying to somebody oh, I'm really inspired by you then that person feels six feet tall and they're like yeah yeah me and you as friends <laughs> and then they start moving a bit oh, a little bit wayward the way that thing reads contempt it's unreal <laughs> that's unreal and sometimes you have to be like eh, ging, ging, go back down stop it yeah <laughs> move to the side or I have to step away you know yeah because that's how we should be as humans you know that's what our parents um definitely my mum's generation you know, they spoke with, to each other like that. It didn't matter whether they were a car mechanic or a nurse. You know, they knew where they came from. They knew each other from home and they dealt with each other in the spirit of love and kindness and understanding. And that's what I'm about. To some people. Stella, that... Oh, Stella. Just, I, I thought, like... I knew this was going to be great for me. Like, I don't know how it, how it was for you, but this has been great for me. And I knew it and I was, and I just still wasn't prepared. Um, so, so I want to ask you one very final question. Um, and I would love you to think about this as if money wasn't an aspect, as if you had access to anything in the world. Um, if you could invent something, if you could invent anything that could make your job or what you do a little bit easier, what would you invent? Oh, wow. What would I invent if I could make my job easier? What would I invent? Wow. Well, I think, oh, there's, because you can go really lofty with that, can't you? And you can, or you can go really kind of like. The space is yours. Um, I think, I think for me, I, you know, I'm, my musical influences include those people that take into consideration the universe. So if you think about a band like Earth, Wind and Fire or even Sun Ra, or you think about, you know, some of those feet, those great female singers who 
when you hear them, you know they're talking about something else. You know, if you listen to Ella Fitzgerald, you're like, where on earth is that sound coming from? When you go to the depths of Nina Simone, like, what, what the hell? When you listen to kind of some of, you know, I was listening to DC Lee the other day and I was like, what kind of gentleness is that voice? Mm. Where did it come from? One, I would, I would create and invent a portal that allowed us to stay connected with what I like to call the great creator. Now that's not a religious thing. That is a recognition that things are created. People are created and we create things. And that link is often our imagination. I would create a portal that made it really easy for us to stay in the space of nature, in the space of the universe, and to be able to bring back goods that we could all share and that would kind of help to heal us and heal the place that we live, which is at the moment, planet earth yeah that's what i'd invent thank you some people call that prayer but i don't know (laughs) i don't mind what anyone calls it but (laughs) yeah i love it thank you so much thank you so much for um sharing some space and a little bit of time with me today Um, really love thank you for asking me oh stella you were the top of my list Uh, (laughs) yeah that's it i just want to say thank you so much Remember, you can always join in the conversation by using the Black in Power hashtag, which is hashtag Black in Power. I've been Coco Brown, and you can see more about what I do at heycoco.com and at the Coco Brown on socials. This podcast has been produced by the Lost Kids Collective with support from Arts Council England. Sound production by Forward Motion with music from Late Kid and Weird Today. The cover art was designed by House of JBK. I hope you managed to have some water by now. If not, go and get some. Okay, stay safe. Bye.